everyone and welcome to the Theatre Pitch podcast. This is the podcast where we take an online encyclopedia article at random and each of us come up with a pitch of how we would turn it into a theatre show. But this is an Ed Fringe special, so I am Jem, this is Sean. Hello, um, hello, you alright? <laughs> <laughs> You're enjoying going first again, aren't you? No, no, my phone just went off and I've had to turn it, I, I forgot. Professional. Yeah. Hey. Professional. This is Joe. Hiya. Uh, my phone did not go off. I'm now very paranoid that my phone's going to go off, but we will see. We live on the edge. Uh, and this is an Ed Fringe special, so we've got a very, very special guest, and that is Bethan Kate Tonkin. How are you, Beth? Hello. I'm really, really well. I'm excited. Yeah. Beth is an actor and a puppeteer that Sean and I worked with quite closely at university a number of years ago, but we don't count them anymore. Um, and all, so all of us went to university together and then Beth has been to Edinburgh before as well. Uh, what show did you take and when? Um, oh gosh, it was right after um, I went to Birmingham Theatre School and then when I graduated, I got into a puppetry show called Heartwood, um, which Sean um, came to see, and I think Joe as well came to see it. Support. No, Joe didn't come with me. No, someone, it, uh, no there, there was someone else with me, but I don't really talk to them anymore. Oh, <laughs> the drama long, of time. Yeah, well, you know, it's been a long time. <laughs> see, the thing is, um, so poor is my recollection of uni that you could have told me that I went to see the show and I'd believe you. No, I, I think... it was a good. I really, I really enjoyed the show. Um, you, you know, I'm always like, oh, get the flyers for the good show. I've still, I've still got, I've still got the flyer for the show. Still keep the good shows. Oh, oh that's, that's brilliant. Sure. And if I'd planned this really well, I would have had it ready, but I didn't. <laughs> See, it's the fringe. We live, we we live improvising. That's what we it do. It was a nice flyer as well. It had a like, a, it was like a like a gold, weren't it? And like a purple. No, it was It was green and it had uh, silhouetted trees and then a picture of the my puppet Eleanor on the back. Did I've I got a right memory. No, you didn't, Gemma. No. I, okay. I, I don't think I went to see this show, but I feel like I was flyered for it. I was definitely flyered I, for it. I feel like I... I remember this flyer, even though I'm pretty certain I didn't see the show. Yeah, I may, and I probably wouldn't have recognised you if, if you were flying for it because I was puppeteering, so I wouldn't have been looking mm. up. Yeah, that's fantastic. And sure, yeah, and it's quite fun because uh, we have a little bit of a history of puppeteering at the Fringe as well with our um, 2016 show, um, which pu puppeteering at the Fringe during flyering is one of the best and worst things you can do, I think. Worst thing for the puppet, but best thing for making an easy job to get people's attention. Oh yeah, it is, yeah. People immediately stop and talk to you. Um, and parents encourage their kids to come up to you, which is good because then normally when you're firing and you don't have a puppet, they're just like, no, go away, leave my kid alone. The only time I've ever had a puppet or a puppet-like thing, because at one point I was given a somebody's face mask from the show that I was flying and they were like, it's a penguin, just use it as a puppet. And I was like, okay, sure. Uh, both of those times the show was not appropriate for children, but the parents refused to accept that piece of information. Um, and when I was like, no, this isn't, this, sorry, this isn't a show appropriate for four-year-olds, they would turn around and go, why not? And I'd go, all of the usual reasons why it's probably more x-rated than child-friendly. <laughs> Who knows, maybe what they weren't asking was why isn't it appropriate for children and more why didn't you make it appropriate for them. Maybe that's what they meant by why not. Naked cabaret, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, buddy, it was a great fringe. <laughs> where, where did the puppet go? On his face. On it. I don't... It was this whole like spiritual penguin thing that was absolutely beautiful, but when you recount it in any kind of way to anybody who wasn't there, you just sort of start to go, was I hallucinating? Is this good? But in the moment it was like, this is a really special show and a really special moment. Um, but yeah, Naked Cowboys. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, that is, well, that's a, a bold move. It's a bold move. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not even going to say... I just, in my head, in my head, he's just got out the shower one morning. And he's like, you know what? Looking in the mirror and he's like, I need a penguin. And then I've got a fringe show. <laughs> that's all I need. I just need a penguin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just remember being told it's, it's, it's a show and at the end there are penguins and we will try and get naked with the audience. And I remember kind of going... All right, this is a couple of years. This, I think, was a year out of university as well. So, or maybe the year I was still in third year. So I was still quite fresh to this idea of, 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 of anything like that. So um, that was an experience. Oh my gosh, that is that sounds really scary. I would yeah. not want to see that. <laughs> it was a big space. People could distance before they needed to. Um, so this episode, getting back on track is all about Joe. Not it's not, not all about Joe, but Joe, I'm handing it over to you to have I your mean, moment to make it all about it. yourself. Sorry. Now you've said it, it's all about me apparently. We've 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 got to change our pitches. Now today's uh podcast is all about Thrawn Janet. Thrawn Janet is a so short story written in Scots by the author Robert Louis Stevenson. He wrote the story in the summer of eighteen eighty one while he stayed at the rented Kinnaird Cottage in Kinnaird, a hamlet near Pitokhe, with his parents and wife. When he read the story to his wife, Fanny, she said of it that it sent a cold grue along my bones. And fair frightened Stevenson himself. And this is the last time this podcast I will do a Scottish accent. Don't worry. No, it's um, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. You've got to do it all the time now. But um, essentially, the plot concerns... Um, an old housekeeper uh, for a preacher who is accused of witchcraft and consorting with the devil. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say anything more in case it gives away spoilers for anyone's pictures. I like it. How did we all find this article? I, I found this one to be one of the easier ones because I think it's quite nice when you've actually got something with a plot. Because in many ways it means that you can kind of think less about what the show's about and more kind of have fun with how you're going to do it. I'll, I I totally agree and usually I, I would be so enthralled especially with this kind of narrative because it's straight up my street and I'm a huge fan of um, Stevenson but I, I totally just went you know what I'm going to remove the plot. I did. Of course I, you I, did. I changed it. Yay. And I did and I did. I don't use the plot. <laughs> well, well, I'm glad I'm going to be the only one doing it then. <laughs> so Joe's secure in his, his, in his idea. He doesn't have to have that anxiety of, oh my goodness, am I going to be outpitched? Uh, Sean, how did you find it? Because you looked like when, when Joe was reading it out, you did kind of look like maybe you'd gotten the wrong article. Um, I'm just checking. There, in the story, there is like an exorcist, uh, um, like, like, yeah, I'm good. I feel like I've got it. I feel like I'm... Confident. Cool. Yeah. Mostly confidence. Um, I feel like my show is amazing and I'm going to have to edit it out because we're going to want to do it at the fringe. And if we don't want to do my idea, then I've picked bad people to be friends with. I honestly feel the same way about mine and whether you guys oh, you... like it or not, I'm going to be doing it at the fringe. I don't like day. it when you say, I don't like it when you say that, Gemma. It gets me worried. <laughs> Because you actually will do it. I mean, I, I I make things happen. How did you find it, Beth? I loved it. I thought it was great. And um, and yeah, I I mean, I haven't heard yours yet, and I I don't really need to to know that mine is the best one. Um, but I appreciate you guys taking the time to do your own pitches. Ooh, fighting talk. I like it. But yeah, I loved it. I thought. I, as much as I ignored the plot, I thought the plot was good, and it inspired me to come up with a better one, which is nice. Mm. And um, and yeah, I could like see many many ways of doing. It really lends itself to fringe. It really does nicely. It does. So the big question now is, who's going to pitch first? Sean, I'm going to nominate you because you have for 
as long as we've had this i like this wikipedia article you've been boasting about how you have the best idea and i would usually say well well that's just said that last but she's a guest so she's a friend so i'm gonna be kind so sean take it away right mine is going to be performed in the banquet room of the banch of the uh of the banshee labyrinth yeah Okay. You with me? It's a stand-up show. Uh huh. Yeah. Now, one thing you've got to remember in this story, I think there's an exorcism. Isn't there? Sort of. Sort of. I'm having it. There, there's an ex. Remember that. <laughs> okay. So it starts off as a. It's it's just advertised as your standard stand-up. It's just it's like oh some. Some geezer, he's like, yeah, I'm, I've got a free, I've got a comedy show on the free fringe. Come, come and have a look, and everyone's there. So it, it starts, and for 15 minutes, it's a really bad stand-up show. The jokes aren't hitting, and every now and then, he just like talks to the back and he starts talking to himself, like, come on, come on, and then that slowly turns a bit creepy. So you know, like um, in Lord of the Rings, when Gollum's talking to Gollum. Yeah. And Gollum's like, oh, you're, you're a disgrace, blah, 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 blah. So that you start seeing that on stage. You think, oh, this 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 comedian's, like, losing it. He's like, the jokes aren't hitting. And then he starts, like, really just, like, attacking himself, but in, like, a really deep voice. Yep. So what the, what the audience think, oh, he's just losing it. But what's really happening is the devil's taking over his body. <laughs> Okay, yeah. And the devil's like, your jokes are crap. And he tries to do a joke. He's like, you're a disgrace. And he tries to do a d joke. And he's like, as if you've put your mortgage all on this show. And then next thing you know, um, a geezer who can only be described looking like Van Helsing walk runs in. And it goes. And it turns then from a stand-up show to a fight for this man's soul between the devil and Van Helsing in this tiny room. And that's my show, Gemma. I... It's, it's what I've always wanted to do, to do a horror show with the audience not knowing they're in a horror show. I love they it. They think they're in a crap stand-up. They think, oh, he's having a go at himself, but no, it's the devil. And then Van Helsing comes in and saves the day. I love it. I think ethically it's a little bit... Great, but we like No, that. it's not. No, it's not. Joe, we've walked into shows on the pretext that it's a different show and found out that it's a different and found out that it's not that show. It can be done on the free fringe. It can. It's if true. Not <laughs> there's no rules on the free fringe. There's no rules. If they're not paying for tickets, then if they start kicking off, I can just say, Oh, I think you I think you came to the wrong room. Yeah. It is a free show. Oh, get out of jail free card there, I like it. Yeah. Now, Sean, um, I think on the basis of a rule established the um, when I said before about doing a stand-up show, we do now need you to do some of the material from the show. So I need I need crap jokes. Yeah, we need you to tell like at least three crap jokes right now. Okay, okay. Why did the chicken cross the road? I don't know. Why did the chicken cross the road? Because he wanted to. See, this is my level. This is my level. Yeah. My it's favorite. It's got to be crap. If you think my jokes are crap, that's because they're meant to be at this point in time. Okay. We haven't gotten to the Van Helsing bit yet. Yeah, we haven't got. To... Yeah. And what's See, Van Helsing's stand-up like? He's does not he doing the stand-up. Does he do any stand-up at the end after he's beaten the devil? No, we give him the bucket. <laughs> I, it, would, would it ruin it if I saw your show and it was really crap stand-up, but I was still laughing my ass off? Um, yeah, but mm. I feel like I feel like we can do yeah. crap crap stand-up. Yeah, I I do think the one thing with this is you've always got the risk that you kind of it's the balancing act, isn't it? You don't want to play your hand too early. Because uh, then it just becomes that you basically tricked people into seeing a different show. But at the same time, you don't want to keep it going for too long. Or else people might just think this is a crap stand-up show and leave before the fun bit. 
Yeah. Yeah. But you're telling me you wouldn't want to see this, this show? Well, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't. I'm just saying that because um, even if a show is truly awful, I will never leave a show early. Be- yeah, purely because Joe, I think it's incredibly offensive to performers. Say you're in a crap stand-up. But, have you ne- have you never been sat there thinking, oh, I really wish Van Helsing would run in now and have yeah, a fight with I, the devil? Have you never... I, I, I'm not... I, I've never had that particular thought. I might in future, but um, I'm just saying it as more... Yeah. Yeah, yeah now so the thought's there. that's my idea. But I, I just mean you don't want to kind of like have it for too long that people just think it's a bad stand-up and leave before they find out that they've missed Van Helsing. Well then, all fall for them. You know what I mean? I've been... I've This idea... I don't know if I ever told you, like, my original idea that I came up with, like, in Aberystwyth about how I wanted to do a zombie show but not tell the audience they were in a zombie show. I went to that show because I know that no, you ended no, up doing Gemma, a zombie Gemma, show but everybody knew yeah. it was and I, I've got a phobia of zombies so I really... My original... Didn't, no, no, because, no, here's the thing, right? So it was this show that was, like, zombie apocalypse. It was a zombie attack on this on this hut that we were all put in. But because Sean and everybody else who created this show knew that I had a phobia of zombies and therefore would not go to the show, nobody kind of, They said it was a horror show. No, nobody told me it was a zombie apocalypse show. There was no show. zombies, though. There was no... So, Jeff, my original idea for that... You ever, you ever, have I ever told you about the show that I pitched and someone said, no, you can't do that because someone might get killed? Yes. This was that show. My original idea was to convince Kurt and Cool to do another night of their show, but about, like, at the interval, um, zombies attack. Love it. Love it. <laughs> they sort of just be sitting there watching the producers, and next thing you know, someone comes running in with, like, a bite... And there's zombies and you're stuck in the Aragog theatre. How cool would that be? That would Not be for terrifying. the people in I there, don't, I don't but want... it'd be fun, wouldn't it? No. Planning this for uh, years, Sean. This this uh, feels like when they, they interview, when the police talk to us about did we know that this was something he was plotting, we'll go, well, yes, if we think back to Aberystwyth times, he's always yeah, been plotting been I've had this idea for ages that a horror sh- that if to do a good horror show in theatre, people need to not know that they're in a horror show. See, I think that this is also a sign of how much time I've spent with both of you, Sean and Jem, that, Sean, I hear your idea and I think it's fantastic, but then there is the Jem-esque voice in the back of my head saying, well, you couldn't do this with something like the producers. The rights on it wouldn't allow you to make that much of a drastic change to the script. I've made an impact on Joe's mind! <laughs> yeah. Jem has influenced me with producer brain. Yeah. I am going to say one thing though. You know, if you don't sell tickets for like one night, they don't really care what you do. We've yeah. just done like the Adams family at work, and then they sent me an email saying, "Oh, was everything all right?" Blah 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 blah. And I was just there like, "Oh yeah, we didn't sell tickets because you know COVID and whatnot." And they were like, "Oh yeah, sound cool, bye." They just don't care if you don't sell tickets. They if there's no money for them, they're like, "Yeah, sound bye." Oh wow. Yeah, pretty much. Just so long yeah. as we don't have to pay people to stick around. And and to be fair, who's ever been in a theatre show where there hasn't been some level of messing about on the last night? Or someone just deciding, screw it, it's the last night, I'm going to try that wild acting choice I've been waiting to try? I remember at university, one of the last shows I did was Much Ado About Nothing, and I was cast as Dogbury. And um, we'd all started halfway through the run daring each other to do things wilder. Um, And I had taken halfway through the run to every time I touched a drink, I would down it. Uh, And I regretted that on the last night when um, periodically, not every drink, but some of the drinks were pure vodka. Or at least I assume vodka, but they were alcoholic and very poisonous and then of course at any opportunity as well people try to cream pie me and like just yeah because it was like that it's it's much ado about nothing it's it's got an element of party and fair and it was set in sort of a post-world war street carnival fair 
So I was eating throughout the whole performance, which was fantastic and suited me down pat. But uh, any opportunity that anybody could, they would uh, slip and trip and throw a pie in my face. I wild. never did anything as unprofessional as that. All of my shows I take very seriously. That and is... especially when I've got a tech role. No one ever sees me on stage, ever. I think that, um, Sean, you need to tell everybody about the kettle story. <laughs> I think Joe can do better than job than that. Joe was in the audience. <laughs> and you know, I think that once again... Uh, I think this is another time where I'm going to say the kettle story can wait for another podcast because we've once again got off track. Oh, yeah, we have. Oh, oh. okay. Ne- oh, next no. interval. Okay, who's going to pitch? I, I, th- I think cause One Joe day just we a... will do the kettle story, but not today. Joe was just a party. Yeah, the only her. people who know the kettle story is me, Joe, and Sarah Allen. It's clearly <laughs> the only people who know that story. And about 25 other people. I don't Joe. think they were paying attention. Oh. Joe, you are the one who just party pooped on the kettle story, so you are going next. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, um, there are a few things I want to establish for mine first. One is, um, we may all remember back at the beginning of this when I was reading out the article that I slipped into a Scottish accent, which, as we're all aware, is something that if an English person does this, especially if an English improviser does this at the fringe, it is a death sentence. You have about an hour to get out of there if you do a Scottish accent because it doesn't matter how good it is, it's still an offence to do it. That's But if you've got an hour, that's longer than your show, so you're grand. Exactly. Um, but essentially, this is one of two stories that Robert Louis Stevenson would write in Scott. And I want to try and... My pitch for this is essentially a show that would never be made by me, but that I would think is the only way to do it, which is a version of this play that puts the fear back into the English. Essentially, I want to make a play to terrify all the other um, acts that dare to come up to Scotland for this. So I I want to start by stating my venue for this is St. Cuthbert's Church on the Lothian Road, because... Um, where else would this take place but in a church? And um, in the uh, plot for it, we see that kind of um, after the, um, essentially, within the play, a woman is accused of witchcraft and she is then, in an attempt to prove that she is a witch, um, some people attempt to drown her, but the um, preacher actually rescues her and has her abjure the devil before him. But from that day onwards, her neck is twisted or thrown um, from when they attempted to kind of like drown her in this pool and twisted it round. And I want Lovely. to, I want to establish this in media res shortly after this. And this play will take place entirely over the priest's sermon that he is delivering on the devil. And I want to use all the tricks that we've seen through things like the uh, woman in black through there's been though I cannot remember when it was, but I think it was round about the early eighties. There was an HR Giger inspired production of King Lear at the um, other place in Stratford that just used these kind of, sheer harsh kind of um, electronics to kind of just create this incredibly alienating, isolating staging. And also, uh, I've seen photos of it and it looks like they really managed to pack as much gore as they could into the eye gouging scene. I want to throw in as much as possible as I can to essentially make um, a live onstage witch trial that um, within itself is attempting to bring forth and the preacher's aim is he wants to push this woman far enough that she brings forth the devil so that he can destroy the devil and i just want to see how much i can actually push the audience to the point of uh i think there's no other way to put this other than i want to see with this show 
how far I can go before I'm actually breaking the Geneva Convention. So you want to do an exorcism in a church? Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of part um, part live exorcism, witch trial, torture event that also um, should not be seen by anyone with a weak heart or um, epilepsy. Wow, that does sound terrifying. I think I think I think it, it's something definitely available at the fringe. Yeah, and yeah. It can bring within to it, obviously, I don't know if this is the text of the um, actual story. I was trying to find it, but um, I've got to be honest, I couldn't find it for free and I'm cheap. Um, but so I don't know whether this subtext is in the story, but I also want to bring within to it this kind of fact that I've been listening to a podcast recently about the phenomena of um, hysteria and how essentially witch trials are believed to have partially started because... Uh, women showed signs of epilepsy and mm-hmm. um, were essentially people didn't know how to handle or treat fits so they assumed it was the work of the devil in these women and killed them and I kind of want to make this as much a story about terrifying the English back out of Scotland as it is about a tale of how kind of men willfully abuse the rights of women and potentially haven't got that much better about not doing it in the last 300 years. I can get behind that. Um, I have one question if you're, if you're finished with your pitch. Uh, yeah. Are you making people pay to see this or is it a free show? <laughs> um, I feel like even if it's a free show, you're still paying. Okay. In some form or another. So it's a so it's a free show. The, yeah, but there may be an emotional toll. Yeah, free f- monetarily free. Um, yeah, cool. financially um, free with a bucketing. Um, in terms of your soul, it will hurt if I've done my job right. Especially if you're the one being exercised in an active church. Um, anybody else got any questions? So it's an exorcism on stage. Um, in answer to your, Sean, your question, Sean, yes. Yes. I mean, Beth? it's a good idea. Wow, is that is that legal to do? I didn't think that would be legal to do. No, not well, strictly. Well, it's acting. The, yeah, it's... I, I should make it clear that we're not actually going to be committing, you know, there will be no acts of stigmata performed during this. This is not going to go as far as to actually carve up women. No, because I didn't think churches would, um, would legal's a bit too strong, but like, I didn't think churches yeah. would let you do that. No, but no. also um, I did want to establish that I have thought about kind of like my first kind of big thing I want to throw at the audience is that essentially I kind of want to have someone coming out. It's it's almost a bit like kind of Sean your rug pulling of it being Van Helsing of I want there to be someone comes out and they've got kind of like a slightly naff looking like a kind of prop twisty neck on top of their real head and you can see them like that and people are like ah oh, that that's a pretty bad effect and then they um pull off a cloth that's where this kind of like puppet head is. And we reveal an intensely grotesque prosthetic that uh, Throne Janet is wearing of this twisted neck underneath. Just to immediately throw people off. Joe? Yeah? Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah? Um, look, I, I didn't get to go out for Halloween last year. I've been saving all this up. That's a very, that's a very good point. That is a very good point. We do we do need to, to exercise the Halloween out yeah, of us. Look, we all we all need to purge our Halloween occasionally. Yeah. How how many performers are you thinking of having in this? Is this like ensemble to the max or is it like limited? Um I was thinking most likely a two hander involving the preacher and Throne Janet and then using kind of um I was probably, in terms of the devil, just going to use the standard of kind of 
lighting effects and shadows to kind of and sound just to make the feeling of a presence there because i always think that kind of things where they indicate the presence of some kind of demonic figure is more effective in terms of generating terror than actually trying to do it because otherwise you need someone of Mm. that kind of stature and it it then feels like you're just casting what if you find someone who is the right build but they can't act what if you find somebody who's great for the performance but physically they don't look imposing enough it it's just easier to do shadows in it yeah i think i really like that idea i really like to go see that what a what a strange show joe i don't know (laughs) i mean it's it's also one of those things where you're like oh no i I probably have seen something similar like that at the fringe yeah i have and it's one of those shows that you avoid telling people who have never been to the fringe about because you don't want to scare them you don't want them to be like, yeah, I think that was my last theatre show. Yeah. yeah. I think I think it's time to call it a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, what's it called, Joe? Is it called Nightmare? <laughs> <laughs> no, the show is just called Thrawn, Janet. Okay. So any, so I, I get that because then any anybody who's Scottish or at least knows Scottish heritage, heritage and, and stories could probably figure out not to go. Yeah. In, by the way, I thought you'd like to know that in terms of things, interesting fact about this, because um, I did my research actually this week, um, and um, Throne Janet is meant to be um, set around 1712, which means that it probably took place over the... There were four major witch hunts across Scotland between the late 1500s and the mid-1700s, which means that this was probably... Um, located around about the third major witch hunt. Hmm. Just an interesting fact. You'd learn something every day. Facts with Joe. Okay. That, Joe, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Learning with Joe. Scaring with Joe. Um, Beth, would you like to go next or would you like to go last? <laughs> I didn't realize I didn't realize we'd started again, Jim. I just thought you were rambling. No, no, I'm professional. I'm starting. Okay, Jim. Again. I'm cool. Um, I don't, I don't mind my turn, but I'm happy to go next. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you seem enthralled. I'm, I'm, st- I'm still reeling from from Joe's um. Exorcism in a church, really. I know. And to be to be honest, I know I was I was very cocky when we started this, but I don't. I think I might have been. Be if no, I don't know why you're sh- nodding, Sean. I didn't mean by you. I definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to give it my best shot. Cutting um, that out. <laughs> so, um, mine is uh, going to be. Uh, two-handed puppetry um, horror and it's going to be all music led so I say two-handed there's two performers and then there's um, live musicians on stage kind of circling it around um, who are going to be just constantly there playing and it's going to be the two performers telling the story of Thrawn Janet so it's going to start with them on stage audience coming in they're going to be mingling, kind of like just street performers that we all see at the fringe. And then there's going to be um, a shadow or a silhouette as if a door's opened and it's going to be the old preacher and he's tell, he tells them to shut up and just go home. And then the two performers tell the audience why he has become like this and um, kind of change the story. So it's like really, really dark, much, well, it was dark anyway. Now it's more dark. Um, and basically Janet was this girl that came to town she's really pretty all the wives got really really jealous of her so they started to spread rumours that she was an unwed whore and um, doing her thing the preacher was new to town he got a bit of a crush on her but he's a man of the cloth so he can do anything about it and then over time he develops feelings for her and she starts working for him and he takes her in after she's attacked by the husband of the woman that she's renting a room from 
and he makes advances on her. She says no, and then she finds out that she really likes women because he catches her kissing another woman. I know, see, now you're intrigued, yeah. And so then he goes nuts and he plants um, a witch's book on her and then it's found when she's out in town one day and then they arrest her and they're trying to drown her and try her as a witch. And so he basically threatens her and says that if she doesn't marry him, he's going to make sure that she does die. And so she does marry him, but little does he know that he didn't actually have to plant that book on her because she really was a fucking witch. So she curses him and then she hangs herself and that's how she twists her neck. So it all comes back to being thrown Janet. And then he's now haunted by her. And basically as the two performers are telling the story, they're moving the audience around to different parts, which are like different little blocks where it happens. And then they're just let out and there's going to be music and it's all going to be very dark and silhouette and the the puppets are all going to be from the performers um backpacks and it's all going to be trash and rubbish that they then make into things so yes and that is the show i i'd 100 go and watch that show yeah i'd be like I'd, I'd be like at work like oh it's so good and then like the puppets were trash came out of their bag i'm like it's such amazing I'm... And then, and then I'll be like, and then I'll be like, and then she was a witch. Who saw that fucking coming? Yeah. I yeah, love it. I'd, yeah, my idea weren't as good as that. No, <laughs> I was sure. No, it was. <laughs> no, I really like, I really like that. I, don't, I, I, I like. I can it. imagine I... that being like at the Pleasants. I can imagine that yeah. actually being like, like you'd pay to see that. See, see, I yeah. see. Um, I agree, Pedro, but I was thinking that had a real kind of like um, late night at the Udderbelly feel to me. Yes, I was thinking more Udderbelly. Yeah, see, no, I was between the it, two because I was thinking the Pleasance or because I've seen shows at the Underbelly and it seems more like that kind of thing, but I yeah. do yeah. I the Pleasance and that would be. Yeah. Uh, the, music, the musicians, they're playing while the audience are coming in. Yeah. yeah. Are, they, are the puppeteers on stage as well? Yeah, yeah. So everyone is in there as if like they are just street performers. So they're like interacting, asking for money. I like that. Um, and they're like playing music, like saying like, oh, if you give, if you pay me, then I can do any song you want, any song you want. What do you want? You want Ed Sheeran? You want this? Like, yeah, that's cool. I can do whatever you want. And um, and then as it settles into, well, basically when the silhouette of the preacher is there, that's when the musicians kind of step back and the performers take over, and the performers are kind of. Because they're just, well, they're not making it up as they go along, but they're doing it. It should be like they're doing it in real time. So they're like telling the musicians, like, oh, play, like, do something for her getting caught. And then they're like, do, and then they do the puppetry of that. I really like that. Really, I really yeah. like that. I want to see that. Like, I want to Write that down, that. Beth. Write, Write it down. <laughs> it's over five pages, and I already started writing scenes. <gasps> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I need to make so, this um, Just to make it, just in case, uh, do you want to do uh, just a quick bad pitch that we can edit in, just in case you don't <laughs> want this getting out? Um, okay, I can, I can make one up. Yeah, ju- ju- just so Sean's got something to cut in, in case we need to cut this case. out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so basically, Thrawn Janet, it's set um, um, in uh, L.A., and um, it's all about um, this old man who got on a cruiser and he was trying to get um, from Scotland uh, down to Dublin, but he got on the wrong cruiser and he's ended up in LA and now he has to um, sell um, shoestring dolls that he makes out of old shoes that he finds littered on the streets. Um, And it's basically just that. And that was my idea for Thrawn Janet. I really think it gets in the horror and... See, um, sorry, I thought we asked you to do a bad pitch. I, I still want to, to see say, that show. I was about to say, I'm about to follow this. And if I wasn't nervous before, I am now no- super nervous because I'm about to pitch something that I'm really proud of, but is still, I think, worse than that improv. <laughs> is it? Is it set in LA, Gemma? It, no, but it is wildly different from everything everybody said. I'm excited yeah. to hear it. I think it'll be brilliant. 
I'm, I'm, what I'm... are you putting a GoPro on this week? On a ghost! <laughs> if I could GoPro up a ghost, I would, and we know this. Um, okay, before I start, any other questions for Beth? Um, it's not so much a question beyond... I just wanted to say that I actually... Um, that just, yeah... I know you came into this very confident and I can see why that was really good. It, it reminded me of like one of the shows I remember from the last fringe I was at seeing that I really liked was a thing called uh, the three deaths of Ebony black that it was, oh, yeah. um, it was a puppet musical um, essentially about the, the kind of philosophical theory of the three deaths, which are the time you breathe your last breath when your body is laid to rest and the last time anyone ever speaks your name. And it just, it was a thing that it took a kind of, fundamentally a premise that seemed quite kind of zany in the light of it being a puppet farce, and then just layered more and more layers of melancholy and bittersweetness upon it. And it just became kind of truly heart-wrenching at the end of it. And I kind of like the idea that this seems like, oh, there's, there's live musicians, there's puppets being made live on stage, that sounds fun. And then people don't expect it to actually be um, a, a, a queer romance really? slash horror. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I really got into the, the gothicness of, the, of just that story. And then I thought, well, because stories always like they come from somewhere, but they're changed over years and years and years and years. And so I thought, well, what, where could this story that's written down, if I imagine it being originated somewhere else, where could it have actually come from? I really like that. I really, really like it. And I think I've got a, a job for you in Let's Make a Show Together. Yay! After we forget about my pitch. I'm not strapping GoPros to anything uh, this time. Um, but hey, in the spirit of virtual fringes, it could be live streamed, I guess. Um, <laughs> so my... Thing when I saw this is I went oh finally here's an article that has a narrative um but you know what I don't feel like narrative drama this week so I'm gonna chuck it out the window um and the thing that I got really really attached to is I am a massive 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 fan of the supernatural and very and a massive massive fan of oh Sean, <laughs> Sean's reaction I'm a huge fan of the supernatural and of um supernatural stories as well as I'm a huge fan of Stevenson, he wrote Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, or Mr. Hyde and Dr. Yeah, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. My brain's panicking because I'm like, I'm having to follow all of this stuff. So I got really into this idea of being able to tell lots of different horror stories, lots of different supernatural stories. And when I was reading, especially the synopsis of Thrawn Janet, I was kind of like, you know, there is such a commentary here where the devil is explicitly made out to be a black person and the witch is just somebody who's independent and mouthy and a woman, so she's a witch. And these things of being individuals and it's such a social commentary, especially for the time that it was being written, especially for, you know, and it's still relevant in some way today. Um, and my brain got off on an academic rant about the supernatural. So I thought, inspired kind of by the skeptics on the fringe um, and the idea that you can get really niche and really step outside of theatre but still stay within live performance and still stay within theatre. My show concept is this. For 23 days on the trot, because I also thought, what would I be able to do for 23 days on a trot and not want to blow my brains out at the back end of it with? Um, a comedian is paired up with, I'm going to call them a thinker rather than an academic, because I don't think they have to be an academic, but somebody who is well-versed in, story, in, in storytelling. Each day it's a different supernatural story, so you can include Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and it starts with Thrawn Janet. And you've got a comedian and a thinker discuss this supernatural story. So the comedian's job is to try and make it entertaining. The academic's job is to try and break it down to what it actually is. But you've also got the storytelling element in there of telling the story of what they're talking about. So you've got Van Helsing, you've got 
Um, Dracula is one of the big ones as well. Thrawn Janet and go really niche into the supernatural stories uh, rather than just sticking with things like, oh yeah, Dracula. Um, you know, going really into, you know, everybody knows Dracula, but do you actually know the real story of Nosferatu um, and where that kind of comes from? And especially in the setting of Edinburgh, it's, you know, there, 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 there are even local horror stories of why Edinburgh is on two levels and how they just bricked people up during the plague. Um, and that links back to the supernatural because they thought the plague was a supernatural phenomenon. They thought the devil was coming and marking you and so they just brick your house up. Um, so kind of academic, kind of thinky, entertaining because of the comedian and the storytelling elements, um, but something that I think could spark those kinds of thoughts of not just going, oh, this is a fun story, but also, oh, this is a fun story that kind of speaks to the fears of people and the thoughts of people and the trends within society and getting a little bit thinky about it. And anywhere on Nidri Street, I think any of those venues, so the Banshee Labyrinth or the Hive, I want it to be a free event because knowledge and thoughts should be free. Um, so yeah, that's my pitch. So like a, a part of the production process would kind of be almost cabaret-like, would be kind of going, hey, here's this thing we've got, you know, you've got your network of comedian friends that you're, you're pulling in to do it, but you also, as you go along and you go, oh, here's an amazing comedian. Hey, do you have a moment, like a day where at the time of the show you're free, do you want to come on board, do this thing, you know, and finding people along the way as well as scheduling people that you already know. Um, as well as like, because the reason I use thinkers rather than academics is you can get a lot of amazing academics, but you can also get a, a lot of amazing thought out of the everyday person, you know, and that the, the person who loves the supernatural or the writer who has written Dracula or not Bram Stoker, but an adaptation. Um, you know, and you I was can about even to say, go it'd be difficult to get him. It would be a different show, I would admit. Um, but it's but it's also a case of like I would sit there and go, right, let's look through the fringe program and let's see. You always tend to find these weird, based in mythology or based in supernatural shows, and approach that show and say, hey, who's your director? Who's your producer? Who's your writer? Do you want to be part of this show? So it's a different lineup every day. Yeah. And it's a different story every day, but you're getting told the story of Thrawn Janet, but then you're also having it embedded in this great improv comedy. Um, but then also having that thought of going like, it's this discussion, it's this story, bit of storytelling, and then a discussion between a thinker and a comedian on this story. Because some of the some of the supernatural stories are so funny if you actually start to think hard on them. Some of them are terrifying, um, but yeah. I really yeah. I really like that. I would see that at the Fringe, because I, I, love, I love Fringe shows that are different all the time. It's always going to be that the structure is the same, but just you're always going to see somebody different and there's going to be a different idea. I would go yeah. see that more than once. Yeah, mm. and like the producer brain's like, yes, ka-ching! Um, and then also going, wait, it's a free show. Um, but then for me, it's also, there's a big part of when you're at the fringe, if you're doing a full run, that's 23, 25 days solid, no break. And so you're gonna walk away from that run hating whatever you're doing. Um, so what can you do and how much fun can you have? And you either pick something that you know you could talk about every single day for the rest of your life and not get bored, which the supernatural is that for me. Um, or you do something that you can be a little bit more flexible in or continuously improve yourself in and things like that to try and keep it not dull as hell. Um, like chess. Yeah, like chess. Um, so no, I think we can all agree, chess would be a great basis for a show actually, as like a game. And I'm gonna shut down the, the borderline self-promotion that these guys are gonna I don't tease. know what you're on about. We're not ready to announce the show, Jen. Was I? I have to say, the second you went, oh, I really like the supernatural. 
I instantly thought, oh my god, she's gonna do t- supernatural on stage. She's gonna do what is it? The Winchester lads. The Winchester like, brothers on I'll, stage. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh no, here we go. If if we could get that featuring slash starring Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki, I would be there every moment of every freaking day. Yeah, I would I... pass out. No one would watch time. that, though, Gemma. No one would watch that because you know no one watches it, and that's why it's been cancelled. It Ooh, wasn't cancelled; they just ended it. Yeah, because no one was watching. No, because Look, they'd been doing it for fifteen years. To shut down this argument before it goes anywhere further, I will say this thought did cross my mind. I also want to say, Gem, I do like the fact that every episode, I think we discover a new thing that you claim to love. <laughs> I am Yes, um, okay. But but also, I did want to ask um, a question and to, you know, to push on my pretentious brain again for a second, like that's not been on for this entire podcast. Um, basically, I think there's a lot of theories that state that um, the, uh, the most base of all fears is that they are all fundamentally rooted, all horror is rooted in the fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Is there a risk that by introducing the kind of the academic, not the academics, but the academic element to it, that in explaining horror, you are reducing its power. Okay, so in um, in in the face of potentially making this really boring, uh, most of that fear that comes out of the unknown is 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 anxious fear because anxiety is closely linked to uncertainty. Uh, but when you look into deeper, especially niche. Um, horror and niches more supernatural this is why it wasn't like it's horror it is supernatural um is that not every supernatural story is horrific not every supernatural story is 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 about horror but there is there's a lot of cross-cultural differences in like for example the position of ghosts within japanese and asian culture is incredibly different to western culture western culture ghosts are feared japanese culture they are revered um except for a handful of ones which are genuinely terrifying and can eat you and it's like a, it's not a fear of the unknown it's a fear of dying horribly um so i think when you start to engage with people who actually you know and this is why talking to the universities and getting academics on board and writers so that you have these different perspectives you can actually start to drill down into that i don't think that you would start i don't think you'd run up against too much commonality in in the fundamental things that people are playing with in horror and supernatural that it would get boring uh but i also it's yes you do reduce horror um by explaining it and understanding it but i have a deep deep set understanding of the supernatural and things like that but don't you dare mention the word mary and bloody in opposite order near me three times and near a mirror because i will freak out which are what was that gem bloody mary no, no it's not What'd you say, Joe? Bloody Mary? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I did say it, Bloody Mary. This is playing with fire. Yeah. Um, Beetlejuice, and, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, kind of, and, you know, it's like, they do argue that technically you could argue the camera lens is um, is something of a mirror. Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. <gasps> Always the worst one. Joe, you've gone too far. <laughs> See? So Jeff, your show I'm is just like, trying to is... get him on the podcast. There's the remake coming out this year. He's big. We haven't got a guest for next week, Jim. We need someone. <laughs> yeah, Candyman, if you're watching, please come on the pod. I'm um, so, so glad your that show it's is fun. like it's like a lecture with a comedian, mm. and you're talking about like classic. You're talking about really like Some you know the characters stuff. that everyone knows. Yeah. She's not breaking down the unknown, Joe, because she's talking about Dracula. We all know Dracula at this point, so it's fine. Personally. You know what I mean? Actually, she made it clear she's not talking about Dracula. We're talking no, about niche said... horror. And Nosferatu. But where it comes from, like yeah. Nosferatu and, and all of that stuff, yeah. I think that I don't think it would um, break the unknown because there's a certain amount with with this kind of genre of unexplainability in it because there's so many different ways to do it and horror's been I mean there's so many ghost films and the reason there are so many films featuring ghosts um is because there's so many different ways to do it so I don't think it would really shatter 
it would it wouldn't put peek behind the curtain at all. I I think mm. it would, and I I would I would go watch it multiple times. It would be um, one of those shows that I would try and go and see as often as I could just to see. Yeah. What's everybody's favourite ghost film? Ooh. To be honest, I know a lot about ghosts, but I don't know if I if I have a favourite ghost film. Then just say one, Gemma, so we can keep the pod going. In terms of Ghostbusters, like, uh, I was going to say there okay. was a recent one that was just called A Ghost Story that a is actually story. very good. Ooh. Like um, I think it's called Oh Trick or Treat, but it's like Trick or Treat. Mhm. Mm. Mine's oh, Casper. That's a good one, yeah. <gasps> Casper, is it? This is the nineties one with the. And, uh, Christina Ricci? Have they remade Casper? Was it 90s or is it the, the one, one with Hilary Duff when she was a little one? And then there is one with um, Christina, Christina Ricci. Ricci. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one that I like. Oh, I love when they're dancing. Yeah. Yeah, and then it becomes like real for a little bit, but then yeah. he's like, yeah, oh, it's, it's good. Yeah. It's a good film. It's a good film. I also like Ghost. Yeah, I was thinking Ghost. Ghost film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never class it as a ghost film because it's it's called ghost. No, but it's, it doesn't feel like a ghost film because it's all just like they're making clay and they're in love and then he happens to get shot and it's. But I don't really see him Spoilers. as a ghost. If you don't know what happens at Ghost at this okay. point, I think we can all agree the statute of limitations on spoilers is not thirty years. No. And Ghost is over thirty years old. Oh, wow. I'm He's pretty just... certain. Okay, so... And on that bombshell... There you go. <laughs> Thank you for stealing my line, which is stolen from someone else, which we really need to do some psychotherapy into understanding why I reference Top Gear so much. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the show. We do an exorcism of Jeremy Clarks- yeah. Clarkson from no. Gem. No, we do... We It's the stick. We get the stick on stage and we take the devil outside out of him. And the devil is just a ginger. I did always wonder why um, you couldn't see anything through his uh, his visor. It's because the yeah. devil's in there. Okay, so... That's why you can always stick to the racing line, because he's not human. <laughs> so, we have a, um, a show from Sean where a stand-up comedian gets possessed, and it's actually not a stand-up show. Pull the rug out from the audi- audience's face. Uh, face feet um yeah we also i was i was prepping myself and starting to think about joe's show which is still shooketh from that um joe's show which is a live exorcism in a church (laughs) beth's amazing show with puppets and live music and this beautiful telling of Theron Janet that we are not going to continue to remind you of because we are probably going to produce that one and then my um Thinky, funny, storytelling comedian delve into various different supernatural stories, starting with Thrawn Janet. Those have been the pitches. Let us know in... Gemma? Yes? You know, before you end this podcast, mm-hmm. can I just, um, like, just take it for a little bit? Um, do you remember there's an ongoing joke over the podcast about what you used to be like in seminars and you're always and i always i joke that you know you'd be the person at the end saying oh oh you know if you want to do more reading as well you've got these books these books and these books oh these are really interesting no no this is Gemma. this is Gemma. and Gemma's always like oh no i was never like that in our seminar you you no i was never like that i just i just got on i never said anything extra about books now, Beth, as someone who was in them seminars, and I have not ha- I've been I waiting for this I'd for a while. I thought I'd to close the podcast before you did this. Now, do you remember what Gemma you was like in the seminars with um, Gareth? I, Gareth. Oh, those. Se- no, I remember, I don't remember her saying it to like the whole class. I remember you were always really well read. So you always knew shit. You knew what you were talking about. And you well, you knew more than was required to be known. And I remember the suggesting reading thing, but you didn't do it like the whole class. I remember like I'd be like someone would be talking to you and then you would say to them, oh, well, if like I read this and it talked about this. That's what I remember. 
I don't like the way that that's the kindest way anybody's told me I'm a fucking nerd before. No, no, you're just, there's nothing wrong with being smart. Nothing wrong with being smart. Oh, no, 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 But the way, the, <laughs> the way Sean always um, comes out with it is sort of in that way of kind of going, well, actually, I read this book on this thing. Ah, you would just, like, you always had really interesting points because you'd read more than any of us. I was lucky if I came with the recommended reading. <laughs> you'd read I mean, it. The, the big secret is that, like, outside of the maybe the first one or two seminars, I never did any of the recommended reading. I just did all of the other reading. And that's the secret if you want to seem smart, is, is look like you've gone the extra level and just read the stuff you're interested in. And then, like, just vaguely pull out the bullet points and have confidence that you can pull off faking that you've read the, the stuff already and then just distract by talking about the extra stuff and then people think you're smart. It's all just a play. It's theatre. My favourite page and if I hadn't done the reading I'd like go right fake page and then go dun and then I'd pick out the quote and be like right that's what I'm making my point about today and that's what I did. <laughs> got go with it. Hey. got a first so I was that close. Yeah this is what this is what we paid thousands of pounds for. <laughs> um, well, I thought I'd managed to close the podcast before Sean tried to get, gather his evidence. But thank you, Beth, for being wonderfully amazing about that and confirming Sean's point, but in a more lovely way. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I never, I've, I've never claimed that I didn't do extra reading. I just, um, I didn't realise I had been such a pretentious prick about it. Um, but, but um, that's hey, if, uh, if the people at home want to do more extra reading about uh, <laughs> about about what you're up to, uh, Beth, where can they find you? Segway. <laughs> um, extra read. See, the thing is, I'm I'm horrible at all things social media and anything like that. But in October, I'm going on tour with DNA, which is by Quirky Birds. So you can find that. I don't know where it is. Probably on a website. It's probably on their website somewhere. And just, um, yeah, use online search engine to look for Quirky Bird and DNA, and it'll probably come up. It mm -hmm. probably will. Yeah, I'm. I'm really bad at all things internet. I'm surprised that I've managed to do this. To be honest, this I'm is incredible. And we're so grateful to have had you on. Thanks. Thanks for you. It was yeah. Really Thanks, guys. Thanks. Joe, because you segued so actually expertly, this is this is one of the reasons we keep you around. What are the other reasons we keep you around? What, what why do other people want you? What are you doing? Well, um, if you want to find out everything that I'm up to, just uh, head to not Joe Ronchka on Twitter. That is as always N O T J O E R A C Z K A, and there you can find links to everything else I'm doing. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Sure. Oh, thank you. Sorry, um, I forgot for a sec. I was just enjoying like dancing to to Joe's it's a, it's uh, Twitter cool handle. Tune. I forgot I was hosting. Sean. So, um, I am. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I. You, you all know it's still Shawnee B. What am I doing? I'm doing nothing. I've got like seven weeks off work, and I'm literally going to spend them playing Fall Guys. I, so, if you wanna. If you want to follow me on Instagram and see my story every time I win a game of Fall, Fall Guys, then do it. But apart from that, I'm, yeah, Jem, what are you doing? I love it. I am uh, filling the time that I don't technically have by um, with the Happiness Anonymous Share Show. Uh, so go over to at Happiness Anonymous Show on Instagram and you'll find all the details there but it's an OFIT D production as well, and it's fun, and it's live streamed, and I may or may not be bringing a theatre pitch podcast uh, pitch to life by strapping GoPros to dogs. Um, but do, do go and check that out, and I'm also doing this here at the Theatre Pitch Podcast. Um, but this has also been a special episode of the Theatre Pitch Podcast for the uh, PBH Free Fringe, which is one of the organisations up in Edinburgh every year at the Ed Fringe Festival. Uh, and the PBH Free Fringe, it's an amazing organisation that facilitates artists taking their work up and putting shows on for free 
and in return any audience members can go and see those shows for free um but we do ask for donations we're not going to do that here but do go look at all of the other shows at the pbh free fringe they're doing it virtually this year as well as a handful of shows are up there in edinburgh so if you're in there in edinburgh anyway go check them out but if you're not stay safe explore the virtual fringe and enjoy other shows like this there's some amazing content out there um but yes as i start to choke on my own air i think that's how we bring this podcast to a close thank you beth this has been amazing to see you again and be totally outpitched by you <laughs> thank you you're all very kind and it's lovely to see all of you again it's been way too long and now yeah. again you're in london yes we're going to get together, we're going to make puppets. Well, no, we're going to get together, we're going to write a script, and then we're going to make Sean make the puppets. Yeah. I, I can make puppets, I can make puppets. Oh, so I've got, again, nothing to do for seven weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, full guys? Full guys, yeah, in a bit, yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you everybody for listening and watching if you have been doing the watching i hope you've enjoyed it and go check out the other podcasts that we've got the other work that other people have got and the other work that we are doing so thank you very much bye bye <laughs> we got there